0: We're listening to the JT The Brick Show, where the Raider Nation has come to sound off and react for over 20 years. What a day, what a day, what a day! Welcome to the JT The Brick Show.
1: You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920
0: AM, here's your host, JT The Brick.
2: Out of the gate, JT, with you as we begin our Super Bowl week coverage. I'm in Las Vegas today and I'm heading out to Los Angeles tomorrow and we'll be there for our in-depth team coverage from Radio Row at the LA Convention Center where Q is already set up and ready to go. What a job he's doing getting us all there. And then we have just monster guests all week. A good interaction week for us here. And to let you feel on Raider Nation Radio, because you're the reason we're here, that you're inside the convention center. You're at the Super Bowl. The Raiders are there. There's a lot of Raider news. And we'll do our best to make it a memorable week here as we get going. Joe Fortenbaugh is going to join us right out of the gate of ESPN betting analyst. Joe's a great guest, one of my favorites. He'll just go great. He'll be spitting fire here in about five minutes. Mark Anderson from the Las Vegas Review-Journal a little bit later on. We got six or seven Raider legends, Hall of Famers lined up this week. A lot of really good guests. We're going to sprinkle them in. It's going to be chaotic. I love this part of my life. 22 or 23 Super Bowls on Radio Row. I grind it. I love to talk to people. I love to be there all day and see friends in the business and interview You know, the celebrity athletes that you want to hear there, but I know the downfalls of Radio Row, which are too many interviews, too much product being hawked and all of that. So I'll try to navigate it and keep it going and open up some windows for you to call in. Big story for me today, the whole show I want to be mostly on the Pro Bowl because I went to the Pro Bowl and I need to get this out of the way quickly. The Raiders in Las Vegas did a great job. Great job. I drove in, no traffic, got right to a parking. It was great. Loved going into the building. I wasn't working like I am all the time when I'm in there. I was able to sit back and relax and see Allegiant Stadium at its best. The game was one of the worst experiences I've ever seen in my life as a sports fan. All time. Damon's laughing all time. I have never, it took my mind a good 40 minutes to realize they were playing two-hand touch. I saw it in the first five minutes, and I was like, whoa. And then I had the tweet and everybody going, calm down, dude. Calm down. Everything's not what you want it to be, JT. Everything's not Ronnie Lott, Jack Tatum, tackle football. I get it. I've never been to a Pro Bowl. been to close to 16, 17 Super Bowls. So my mind is used to working the Raiders all year. went to how many home games we had this year, nine or ten with the preseason game. I saw tackle football. And I'm sitting there watching what that was. Man, that was rough. And Max Crosby played harder than anybody on the field. That's why he got the MVP. He actually rushed the passer. He actually was jumping up, trying to knock the ball down and intercept it. No one else was doing that. That's why they gave him a trophy, the MVP award. Justin Herbert won the MVP. No one covered anybody. No one tackled. And then I said to myself, am I the last guy to know here that they're not tackling? Like, they're just playing touch, like they're not even bringing people to the ground? Wow. Wow. Maybe it's because I've never been to a Pro Bowl. And when did that happen when the Pro Bowl became now a joke? Did we have to do that? So I did a show on this last night, and a lot of people are having a difficult time figuring out what's going on with the Pro Bowl. Like, should we just forget it and play a skills contest? Or should we, because you can blow out your Achilles and blow out your knee running routes in a skill contest easily. You can do that. But do we take someone called me last night and said, have them play without their helmets on? It was actually a pretty good idea because he said, you don't need your helmet. No one's allowed to tackle, so let's see your face. Let's have your face and, and play without a helmet. But for me, it was very weird and bizarre, and we got to fix it. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to try to fix the Pro Bowl because hockey went from five skaters to three, and now they're doing that in the NHL in overtime, and I can live with that. And hockey's gone through their ups and downs. The weekend was great. A lot of hockey players here in town, hockey executives. Had a good time hanging out with some hockey guys this weekend. But the Pro Bowl, no doubt about it, is the worst all-star game in all of sports. Not even close. The NBA, the first half of an NBA all-star game could be pretty alarming because it's just a layup line. It's just a bunch of people dunking and doing nothing, but they play hard in the fourth quarter. They did play with a little bit more spirit in the fourth quarter of the Pro Bowl as they were playing for the payout and the money, and the AFC held on to win the game. And then probably my biggest takeaway was I was with a, we were with another couple, my wife and I, and my buddy who I was with looked at me, and he said, Tom Brady would never be associated with this. And I go, what do you mean? And he said, Tom Brady would never put his brand in a situation where they were playing touch football. I said, you think so? He goes, absolutely. Absolutely. I go, well, what about Mahomes? He said, well, I bet you Mahomes is going to think twice about coming back and ever playing. Aaron Rodgers wasn't there. So for everybody who was sitting there wondering what we were watching, if you went to the game, I'd like your opinion on what you thought of it. Did you enjoy it? Did you have a lot of fun? I mean, the bars were packed. Everybody was in the bars having a good time. Everybody was getting after it. The bars seemed more packed than fans in the seat. I saw some empty seats, but I know those tickets were sold. And I'm just wondering what people were thinking about the whole time they were there. And really, I think the other big-time story here is the price point. The price point, to me, depending on what you paid for the ticket and what you think is worth your money there, that is really tough to figure out, too. So the Pro Bowl, to me, was one of the worst sporting experiences I've ever been to because my mind is not trained to watch two-hand touch. My mind is not used to that. So I was at the bar. My mind's used to going to the bar. Joe Fortenbaugh joins us from ESPN, the great host, gaming analyst. And Joe, as you said, we're both in Vegas, which it kicks off sangria season. And I was at the bar at the Pro Bowl because I didn't see a lot of action. I didn't think I needed to be in my seat because of the low level of competition. How'd you see it?
0: Same way. Same way. And sangria season is upon us. I mean, I was outside for a run about an hour ago. It's nothing but blue skies. So you know we're turning the corner here after this long, arduous winter that we tolerate out in the desert. I digress, and I kid, of course. Uh, with the Pro Bowl, you know, it's a novelty act. You have to have an all-star game if you're a professional sport. There's money in the TV rights, there's money in the merchandise, people will buy the jersey. There's money here, there's money there, so you put it on. But this event is, is virtually meaningless because it's a violent sport, and nobody wants to see violence in an exhibition. I mean, we do. We want to see a real football game. but. They're not going to go out there and play that way. So as a result, you're taking away one of the core elements of the product. So I don't blame you one bit for doing what you were doing. Saturday I was down uh, for the NHL All-Star Game. I enjoyed that very much. Came in a little bit late because there was a lot to do outside, so I was checking stuff out there. I had the boys down Friday night for the skills competition. Uh, The NBA All-Star Game, Major League Baseball, those are the type of events you can get behind from an All-Star perspective. There is still some some semblance of competition, but with the NFLs, each and every year, it's a pass for me most likely.
2: It seems like betting the totals fun on the game because everybody's there betting the over because no one's playing defense. So do you believe, and again, I don't know exactly what the Pro Bowl was. It was probably in the last four or five years where they don't even tackle and bring men to the ground. But now that they're playing two-hand touch, Were there any sharps? Were they all over the total on top and and thinking it was going to go over the total? Was anybody under after they saw how this game started? Okay, so here's
0: where this gets interesting. If you go back over the last, I think it's because I did some research on this, the last Mm -hmm. six or seven years, and you got to throw out last year because they didn't play the game. Mm -hmm. But the last six or seven Pro Bowls, four or five of them went under the total. And and we're talking not really high totals either. Like, the number had been coming down. I think this thing closed around 62-63. This had been a lower-scoring game for a few years. I know they had changed a few rules around. I know they messed around with the clock a little bit. Uh, You have five less seconds to get the playoff, but the clock will run on completed passes You know, outside of like the first, the final two minutes of the first half and final five minutes of the game. So I looked at that and I thought, huh, maybe so many people want to bet the over. There could be an opportunity with the under, but who the hell wants to bet the under in the Pro Bowl and watch them hang 21 points in like two minutes with no one playing defense? It's never been easier to record a pick six in a football game. So. I don't know if any sharps get involved. I haven't talked to anybody that did. I mean, you know, those guys are always looking for an angle. So mm-hmm. if they can find it, they're on it. But I-, I didn't play it. I don't know anyone who did.
2: Joe Fortenbaugh joins us from ESPN. Joe, with the line of consensus, with the Super Bowl opening up at three and a half, we'll talk about that. Four and a half at the Westgate and Caesars, which you're connected to. Four and a half Rams. And I look at the total in this game, forty-eight and a half. Usually, the last time we see a team play and especially Cincinnati, we saw how explosive they were in the second half and the adjustments that they made. And the Rams have an explosive offense, but Stafford could turn it over from time to time. What are some of your keys taking a look at this game in preparation this week with the play of the quarterbacks? We'll start first, Burrow and Stafford. All
0: right, so let's start with uh, Stafford and the Rams because the way I assess them, if they're going to win this game, they should run the football. That's exactly what they should do. This is going to be the hardest and best defense that Cincinnati has played all year. Not, not, not just in the playoffs, the entire season. All right? if you, you, you can use any metric you want, but if you want to use a good one, for example, football outsiders DVOA, the Rams rank fifth out of 32 teams. Okay? That's the best the Bengals have played all season. Anytime they stepped into a game against a top ten defense by that metric, one was against San Francisco they lost and failed to cover. One was against Green Bay. They lost and failed to cover. Keep in mind, both those games were home. And the other was against Kansas City, who they beat and covered against. But that Chiefs defense is not this Rams defense. So this is a big step up for Burrow and the Cincinnati offense because they're going go, to face their toughest challenge of the season. Now, on the other side for the Rams, this is a great matchup for Stafford and the offense. Absolutely fantastic. All right, This isn't the 49ers who have had their number and have an elite defense. Okay, This isn't... Um, Tampa Bay, who was number three against the rush on the road on the other side of the country, this was an Arizona divisional rival who had beaten them once. Although Arizona fell apart late, so forget about that. You know this is a game where they can hang a big number here, and I think the key again is going to be running the football. If you're Cincinnati, there's no way you're going to be letting Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham, uh, Evan Jefferson, all these guys run wild down the field. You're going to defend the pass like you did against Kansas City. Well, look at what Kansas City did on the ground in that game. They ran for a buck thirty-eight. They averaged five. Point eight yards per carry, almost six yards per rushing attempt. You don't think Sean McVay saw that on tape. So I think what's going to happen here is if you're the Rams, you come out running the ball. Number one, you should be able to pick up some yardage, control the clock, control the tempo. Number two, you ease Matthew Stafford into the game, get rid of the nerves, get rid of the pressure. You should want to do that with any quarterback. And then number three, perhaps most importantly, you're going to set up the play-action game down the field. So I think running the ball is going to be the key for the Rams. It's going to set up everything else they want to do. For the Bengals, you've got to start fast, okay? It's been a slow-starting football team. They started slow against Tennessee. I know everyone will say, no, no, you're wrong. They jumped all over them. No, they didn't. They picked off Tannehill Right away, and then they had to settle for a field goal. They let Tennessee hang around forever in that game. Then they went and they had the matchup. Against the Chiefs, they were getting blown out in that game. And against the Raiders, the Raiders played them very hard. All right, The Raiders had too many self-inflicted penalties in that game to win, but they were right there competing down the stretch. If you're Cincinnati, you've got to start a lot faster in this game because I don't think the Rams are going to let you crawl back into it, even though they did that against Tampa Bay a few weeks ago. So that would be the key for me. Cincinnati's going to come out a lot faster. Rams got to be able to establish the run.
2: Joe Fortenball is our guest. I'm fascinated. It'll be a big topic all week. Will Jalen Ramsey exclusively cover Jamar Chase? At times he doesn't do that. With number one wideouts, he'll just play his side of the field. And I think this is Hagler versus Leonard. This is a fight that I want to see. It's a, Both these players are incredible. I want to see them matched up, Joe, the entire time. If not, I want to see what Zach Taylor and Burrow do to get Chase in motion to try to get him a little bit of a release off the line of scrimmage. And conversely, we'll go to Cooper Cup. And what have you seen from a betting perspective with him this year as he shattered these records with the Triple Crown? All right, let's start with Chase.
0: So here's where it's interesting, and you make a great point. Like, this is not a guy you're going you're to gonna want to allow to just tear you apart. Kansas City shut him down in the AFC Championship and still lost the game. Like, that's amazing. If you went into that game last week or two weeks ago, excuse me, whatever we want to call it at this point, and you want to say, here's what Jamar Chase is going to do statistically, you look at that game and you go, Kansas City probably rolls these guys and instead they lose in overtime. That's because there are plenty of weapons at Burrow's disposal. We're just getting to know them. Casual fan knows about Jamar Chase and Burrow. You know about Joe Mixon, but you're starting to learn more about T. Higgins, Uzama the tight end who's a little banged up. We'll see if he can play, and some of the other wide receivers they have. This is a really good unit, and now that they've been playing these marquee standalone games, people are getting used to them. So if you want to put Ramsey exclusively on Chase, Sure, you're going to limit what Chase can do, but you got other playmakers there that you have to account for. The entire Ram defense is going to need to have a big game, and you're going to need to bring Burrow down when you get your hands on him. That's something the Chiefs couldn't do. They let the guy run free all day. Chris Jones taking the huge payday, and then nowhere to be found in that AFC championship when they needed him late. He's tired, he's on the sideline, he's wrapping Burrow up, but he can't bring him down. The guy made so many mistakes in that game, but that's part of the reason why Kansas City's home right now. Now over to uh, the Rams and what they want to do with Cooper Cup. I mean, the thing is, it's easy to sit here and say something like, I can't believe they let this guy get so wide open. Look at the San Francisco game. How come you're not double teaming him? Look at the San Francisco game. That's not how it works. Sean McVay knows how to get the matchup he wants. These guys... They're not just playing battleship football where they're sending in a formation out there. They run a play, B1, and then they come back and they run another play, D5. They set up an alignment. They move a guy in motion. They see how the defense reacts. And then they come back later with the same formation, but maybe they change the players. Maybe they move Cup outside and they move Jefferson inside. And it's the same play. It's just two guys running different routes. And, and that can throw the defense through a loop based on what they've scouted. I mean, San Francisco is a really good defense, and Cooper Cup was wide open the entire game. It's not as if the defense wasn't accounting for him. McVay was just that good at getting him open. So I say best of luck to Cincinnati. I don't know how the hell you're going to slow that guy down, because I'll tell you this. If you find a way to shut down or limit Cooper Cup, I'd have to imagine Beckham, mm-hmm. Higby, Jefferson... Akers out of the backfield, Michelle out of the backfield. I'd have to imagine those guys are having pretty big games as a result.
2: Wrapping up with Joe Fortenbaugh from ESPN. So finally, Joe... What's your overall philosophy on prop bets? I hear some sharps that like to go early. They think at times there's no way a book can get that many rights. So the best of the sharps will jump on the four or five props that they think they have an advantage on. And then the market cools and then all of a sudden it pops back in as all the tourists come into the casinos. And now everybody has a sports app in these legal states. What success have you had in the past? What can you tell us about betting props and how to go about it? Well, the pros pros have
0: their own numbers. Before they see any of the numbers come out, they know what they think. For example, Matthew Stafford should throw four in this game. They've got a number. And then they see the number come out. And if the number's wild, they're making a bet. If the number's really close and there's no value, they're passing on it. That's how they go about their business. They're making their own numbers. Now, in addition to that, you want to be able to predict what the market's going to do. For example, in most Super Bowls, if you like an under, you can just sit back and wait. Because the public likes the over. And once the public starts betting, and the public's not going to bet the Super Bowl two weeks in advance, they're going to bet in the 48 hours to six hours before kickoff. Once that money starts coming in, it should push the number up, and you should get a better price. It was very interesting to me to see all this under money come in early as the Sharps jumped all over it. I mean, the under right now is the play of the sharp side, because this thing opened early, uh, low 50s and is now down to 48.5. So keep that in mind. When it comes to props for me, I'm looking at ones where I just think there's an opportunity. I'll give you three real quickly that I like in this game. Number one, Matthew Stafford over and half yards for his longest completion. All right, number one, nobody in the NFL had more completions of 40 or more yards this year than Stafford. He was number one. He had 18 of those. And I think, like I said earlier, if the Rams are able to establish the running game, they're going to be able to set up the play action for some deep shots down the field. So that's number one. Number two, is one of my favorites. It's the Rams to have more time of possession in the game. It's minus 120, which means you have to risk $120 to win 100, but I don't see how they don't win this. Uh, number 1, I like them to win the game, so I see them having the ball late trying to ground the clock, grind the clock down. Number 2, again, I do see them being able to run in this game, which is going to control the clock. And number 3, look at what they've done in the playoffs. They've held the ball for 34 or more minutes in all 3 games. This has been their philosophy in the postseason, so I like them having more time of possession. And then number three, Matthew Stafford over two and a half rushing attempts. All right, he's not a running quarterback during the regular season; he only averaged one point eight rushing attempts per game. But that's changed in the playoffs. Guys trying to make plays. He's had four or more carries in all playoff games. And, again, I believe they're going to win, which means he's going to have a good chance to kneel the the ball down late. You get two or three kneel downs, I mean, you're there. And I think he's going to scramble at least once or twice. And you never know at the end of the first half, maybe they get the ball back on their own five-yard line with ten seconds to go. He takes a kneel down there. So keep that in mind. Over two-and-a-half rushing attempts for Matthew Stafford. I love that one as well.
2: Joe, you're the best. Thanks for doing this Super Bowl week. I wanted to hear from you. You're one of the sharpest guys I know. Thanks so much. Enjoy the Super Bowl, and we'll do it again. JT, it's always a
0: pleasure. Thank you so much for the invite to come on your show. I always welcome it and appreciate it. Have a great week. We'll catch up
2: soon. There he is, Joe Fortenbaugh. He's fantastic. He's a star. You can find him on ESPN's Daily Wager. You can hear him on ESPN Radio and... He's been coming on with me for a long time. Really like what he's talking about with the props. He gave you a few there. We're going to have other Gaming Insiders this week. And we're also going to be hanging out with Remy Martin at the Super Bowl. I'm going to give you some valuable advice as I continue to elevate my cocktail game. Whether I'm at home or at a restaurant or a bar, always request... Remy Quattro in your cocktails, classic cocktails. Use Remy Cointreau margaritas, sidecars. My wife, that's all she'll drink now, is a Remy Martin sidecar. The Mai Tai, the French 75, the White Lady. Elevated mimosa. It's time to elevate your cocktail game. Remy Martin, Remy Cointreau, team up responsibly. My proud partner of our Super Bowl coverage this week in Los Angeles starting tomorrow. Welcome back, JT, everybody, as we continue on. Brought to you by Modelo, the fighting spirit. Modelo, our proud partners as we head to Los Angeles for the Super Bowl. So I'm leaving. I'm driving out early tomorrow. I'll be out there all week looking forward to this. Again, it's 22 or 23 radio rows for me over my career. Don't need to be there Monday. (laughs) It's a long week. I could get going again. I went to the Pro Bowl yesterday, and I really want to talk about the Pro Bowl because it's important to me. Here's why it's important to me, because I'm not claiming I have the answers. You know, a lot of people say, well, you're a know-it-all. You, no, I'm not. I'm a fan. I might sound like a know-it-all. There are certain days I really sound like a know-it-all, but I, I take calls for a living. I talk to people. I talk to fans, and I sat with my buddy at the game yesterday, and all we did was talk for the first quarter. We were both in shock. <laughs> he's a season ticket holder. He's looking at me going, what's, what's going on? They're not tackling. I'm like, You're right. They're not tackling. Okay, why are they not tackling? I'm explaining to them. Then we're having the debate about, you know, dumbing down the American sports fan, which is a really big debate topic that I love, on how because of young, young kids, not millennials, but kids, you know, 12, 13 years old, what they're trying to do now is no one can pay attention anymore. We just can't pay attention. We used to be able to pay attention. We don't anymore. Everyone's got their phone in their hand. And everybody's, you know, looking at YouTube clips that are four minutes long. If it's four minutes, it's too long. If it's 235, it's perfect. Well, when you're sitting at a game and they're not playing defense, there's not a lot to do. Because if they're not going to tackle anyone and they're just running. There were a t- There was a time in that game where Justin Herbert was in. He was the MVP of the offense. Guys were running like 10-yard in routes. And the linebackers weren't even moving. Like the linebackers were looking And watching the catch and not moving three feet to touch the receiver. And then the corner would come up and he would just put two hands on him. And the play would stop. And that happened over and over and over again. So how do you get to the point, and I need your help here. How do you get to the point at a sporting event to just let it go? And say, look, this is what it is. You better lock in quickly because you're losing time. If you're not going to like this, then it's going to ruin your day. It didn't ruin my day. I had a great time. I ran into 50 people I knew there that all had a good time. And, again, this is not a Raiders topic. The Raiders did a great job hosting that event. I just think that we need to change the game. And I don't know exactly how to do it. What I would do is I would, I would get rid of the game and I'd play flag football. It's flag football. Put them in shorts. Put them in shorts and baseball caps and let them play flag football and make it faster. Make it faster. Now, there'll be injuries. There'll be injuries. Guys will cut on the turf. Someone will blow out their knee. Someone could blow out an Achilles. But you have to do something. Even You can get injured in a skills contest. So if you went to the game yesterday, I want your review of the whole experience. Fan fest, autographs, kids, mascots, cheerleaders, the game, Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro had a touchdown, and how you were able to come to grips with the limited Competitive value that the game had 702 365 9200. Okay, you all know the number 702 365 9200 and how you would change the Pro Bowl. Because the other point becomes you can't blow this, you can't put this game in this market every year and expect people to come. <laughs> you can't. Everybody who went out there yesterday probably 20% would go again if they're going to play at that level. Now, everybody would go to a skills contest or an autograph session. And my buddy yesterday made a good point, too, he said, which I thought was really interesting. They were talking about the issue of just let all the kids on the field. At the end, like fourth quarter, just let a bunch of kids on the field and let them stand beside their best player. I know there's security issues, COVID, but in a non-COVID year, just let all the kids come on the field at the end of the game and have the players stay there. Do something, but don't pretend it's a football game. Please, don't insult everybody. It's not a football game. So how would you change it? You really have two answers. You make it more hardcore, more financially, more financially incentive-based, so you have to tackle. Or you just take all the tackling out and put them in flags and put them in shorts, no helmets, and everybody's there playing and then use the television cameras on the field to make it really unique. And then after the game, we found out that Alvin Kamara was arrested uh, by the Las, uh, Las Vegas Police Department here in town after an event that happened late, late Friday night into like six in the morning or early in the morning on Saturday. So Ian Rappaport gave the update about an hour ago on what happened in Vegas.
3: Yeah, Ivan Kamara has a court date, 1.30 local time uh, in Las Vegas. He was released earlier today on $5,000 bond, charged with battery resulting in substantial bodily harm. Uh, The details we have right now are from the Las Vegas Police Department where they allege that Kamara and three of his friends Uh, got into a fight with a man whose name was Darnell Green coming off an elevator. According to police, what they alleged that Kamara put his hand on Green, Green then pushed it off and the result was a fight that involved Kamara punching him several times, fracturing his orbital bone uh, along with other damage that he sustained, and when the man was down on the ground knocked unconscious, again according to police, uh, Kamara and his friends proceeded to kick the man before leaving. Uh, That is what we know right now. Uh, Obviously, not a good situation, but more details as they come, of course, we will bring them to you. And as we have the results of Kamara's hearing later today, we'll bring those to you as well.
2: All right, so you got to be pretty stupid to get in a fight in Vegas. We all know that. There's cameras everywhere, elevators, lobbies. You know, It's not like that in the rest of the world. It is like that in Vegas. So Alvin Kamara, wrong place, wrong time, shouldn't have been out at that time. And it gives Vegas... I don't I want to say bad press. I mean, Vegas doesn't get bad press. There's so many people that come here safely. But you throw this in, and someone told me they had the over of one athlete getting arrested. So it was a push there. You, knew, you, know, all the, you had every hockey player in the world here, You know, the all-stars here, plus their friends and all that. And then you had the NFL here with a bunch of pro bowlers and their friends. So you had to figure there was going to be one incident or maybe two. So that's the incident there. When you hear that, What does that make you feel as a Las Vegas resident? we got a lot of people who stream our show all over the country, all over the world. Crusader Crusader Raider listens in London every day. And I I live here, and I've lived here a long time, so I just let it slide off me when people say Vegas is crazy, football's not going to work, everyone's going to get arrested. From time to time, someone's going to get arrested and get in a fight. Someone's going to do something stupid, but that could happen in New York, Miami, L.A. at the Super Bowl, wherever we are. But it's the press that you want to, you don't want to see that press. You want to see the weekend come and go and everybody have a good time. So today we're talking about how to fix the Pro Bowl. And then the third big topic is the Raider coaches that are leaving and coming. And I want to get into that, which is an important topic to us because this is a big week. It looks like Rich Passaccia will be the new special teams coach in Green Bay. What a hire for Green Bay. The reason why Green Bay is not in the Super Bowl and I predicted they would be there is they're not in the Super Bowl because of their special teams. So they get arguably the best in the business. And Rich Passaccia, who has head coaching experience on a playoff team. So we've been dying to say this for weeks. We wish wish Rich Passaccia nothing but the best. We knew that he would land with the job of his liking. He interviewed to be the head coach of the Raiders. They went in a different direction. They went with Josh McDaniels. But that's another topic I want to get into the show today. Because It's just me before I get in the car for the Super Bowl, I'd like to have a couple of callers call in today and thank Rich Passaccia. Talk about Rich as it looks like he is officially going to the Packers, and what would you like to say to Coach Passaccia? After everything he went through and everything he did, I think he clearly deserves that type of respect on the flagship station of the Las Vegas Raiders. Once a Raider, always a Raider, and he will be back the rest of his life, welcomed by Mark Davis to the Raider community for everything he did. And the Raiders went in a lot of different directions. They also got Patrick Graham from the Giants to be their defensive coordinator who comes in as a hot commodity as he was interviewing to be a head coach. And Gus Bradley ends up in Indianapolis with the Colts. So a lot of moving parts here. We knew that when the Raiders hired Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, they were going to completely overhaul the entire coaching staff. A few limited coaches would stay, and then they'd bring in their own guys. And that's exactly what they're doing. The good news for the Raiders is they got ahead of this because Houston is now confused. They don't know what to do. They're going to hire Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith's going to get this job because they don't want to give the job to the guy they want to give it to, Josh McCown. That's the guy they want to give it to, but no one else interviewed him, and he's never coached before. So Houston looks like they're in disarray. And then we have New Orleans, where Dennis Allen probably should get the job as a defensive coordinator. But all of a sudden, Eric Bienemy comes in for the interview, and this is a topic I wanted to get into the monologue. How do you not hire Bienemy, a minority, a minority hire, if you're asking him to come in at the very end for an interview when he's overqualified for the job? He's overqualified. Josh McDaniels is overqualified to be a head coach. He's won six Super Bowls. Eric Bieniemy with Andy Reid and his staff and Patrick Mahomes is overqualified compared to some of these guys I've never heard of around the league and you've never heard of them, including the geeky new guy in Miami that everybody's laughing about today. And Eric Bieniemy can't get that job. So when you look at the definition of a sham interview, a sham interview, is when you take a black candidate who's worthy of the job and you ask him to come in for the interview at the end and you don't give him the job. That's a sham interview. So good luck in New Orleans interviewing Eric Bienemy and then having a press conference with Dennis Allen and his visor on because all hell's going to break loose because you don't have to bring in Eric bien Don't bring him in if you don't want to bring him the job. But don't bring in Eric Bienemy and tell me he's not qualified for that job. First couple of years was, hey, he doesn't interview well. He doesn't interview well. Now he interviews well. Okay, Eric Bieniemy, Byron Lefwich should be head coaches in this league. Doug Peterson got the job in Jacksonville. I think he's a worthy, he won a Super Bowl. Went to the playoffs three times in five years. He beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. So I think he deserves to be there. So, again, that's six topics I've thrown out for you. Our phone number is 702-365-9200. Raider Bull, start us off. You're up first. Go ahead.
0: Thank you, J.T. Hey, listen, first of all, I want to congratulate and thank Coach Passaccia. I mm-hmm. did an outstanding job. Um, I think we're going to miss him. Secondly, J.T., it might sound far-fetched, but just trash the whole uh, Pro Bowl out. Mm-hmm. Bring, bring back the college all-stars against the world champs. We did that 50 years ago. that would be a better game.
2: Well, you know know what's interesting you said about that, Bull, is that I talked to a Hall of Famer who told me that that All-Star game, the AFL, NFL, and the college players, they they would practice for a month for that game. They would practice for a month or weeks to play that game. They took it very seriously. That was a reputation game for the professional players against the college players, and the college players took it very seriously. So for all of that combined – That'll never happen again, because back in the day, those players didn't make enough money. Now all these players make millions, and if they get hurt, they have to spend their entire offseason in a boot or a cast, and they lose out with their families, and they're rehabbing. So I don't think these guys are ever going to play hard again. I think we lost him, DeMond. Let's go. Let's get up to the next call. DeMond, let's go, as he's gone, uh, 702-365-9200. So, again, that's very important. If you're not going to play because of money, don't have the game. That's it. Cancel the game. And then do a skills competition and have everybody just sign autographs. Because no one cares. Nobody cares. The only guy I saw who cared, I sat and had good seats, it was Max Crosby. Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro cared too. And look, a lot of guys played. But you know how bad that game was for Russell Wilson? He threw two interceptions. You know, a lot of people say, would he come to Vegas? Is there a chance Russell Wilson would come to Vegas? tell you one thing, he didn't help himself out yesterday. I, I know it's just a Pro Bowl, but Russell Wilson yesterday was going through the options. He was throwing it to the other team. I mean, not throwing it to his guys and the other team made a play. They weren't playing defense. There was no defense. So if you threw an interception to someone, you can't say, oh, they, they made a great play. No, 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 you're missing my point. They weren't playing defense. So the only way a guy could intercept the ball is if you threw it to his chest. And Russell Wilson did that. So that didn't help his brand at all, in my opinion. I really don't believe that Russell Wilson should have played in the Pro Bowl. And I don't think Patrick Mahomes should have played in the Pro Bowl. I had no problem with Mac Jones playing and a young Justin Herbert. Look, if it's your first ever Pro Bowl and you're an alternate and you're going to play in the game and you want to play hard, it's great. Max Crosby's first ever Pro Bowl played harder than anybody else. He got a trophy for it. It's great. Everybody else who was there, Alvin Kamara was out beating people up, allegedly, in the morning, and showing up there and catching the ball and then playing two-handed touch. It was a joke. So how do you fix it? I don't know. I think what you do is you don't play the football game anymore. You just do full-on skills, all skills, and you hope that no one blows out a knee cutting on a route. I don't see any other thing you can do. Or just keep playing that game, and then two years from now, no one's ever going to go. No one's going to go unless you give them free tickets and kids go. Because the football fans don't want to see two-hand touch. And all it was yesterday was two-hand touch. Jeff, you're up next on the flagship of the Raiders. Hello, Jeff.
1: Uh, JT, here's my fix for the Pro Bowl. Mm -hmm. Don't play it.
2: Uh, Have the worst two
1: teams uh, during the regular season play each other. Uh, instead of the Pro Bowl for the number one pick in the draft. Yeah, Rich so Eisen. Rich
2: Eisen. Did you did you call Rich Eisen's show because he he talked I about didn't. he talked about the same topic. He didn't like it. Oh, I don't sorry. like it because the players aren't going to play. That that'll be then that, what'll happen there. And again, I appreciate your call. Then everyone would tank to play in that game to get the number one pick. So first of all, we have a tanking issue now. The Miami owner Stephen Ross was accused by Brian Flores of wanting to lose on purpose to get draft picks. Can you imagine if they played a game? They would call it the tanking game. It it would actually sell T-shirts. You know those illegal T-shirts they sell around the stadium? It would say, who's tanking? You can't do that. It wouldn't make any sense. And it's an extra game, and you got to put it together and referees and all that, and it's an added game on the schedule. Why would a team want to play an added game after they already played seventeen? It doesn't make much sense. But it is a complicated topic because very quickly, Damon, before we go out, I want to make this point again. If you want to dumb down sports to the fact that we are just dumbing down America with sports, we are. We are dumbing down America with sports because we are afraid that the young children who don't have attention will not like the sport. So we're putting a runner on second base and extra innings in baseball. We're not tackling in the pro ball. Hockey, we've taken it down to three-on-three because we're scared that the new fans who are coming, because the old fans eventually are going to get old and die, and you're going to have to replace them with younger fans, they're not interested. They're not interested in anything. They just want to look at their phone and look at their fantasy stats, and they're not as interested. I have two sons who are diehard sports fans. They wouldn't have had a good time yesterday. They would have looked at me and said, let's get out of here. But some other kids, a six-year-old kid with his mom, first football game ever, probably had the time of his life. And Allegiant Stadium was showcased. It looked fantastic. There was a lot of good entertainment there. But they got to find a way to move it from city to city because it's really like you're trying to dupe the fans in a new city. Say you move this thing, okay? We had Orlando, Vegas. Let's just say for the argument's sake they move it to New Orleans for one year. Everyone in New Orleans is going to want to go to the Pro Bowl. Then the first 10 minutes of the game, they're going to go, oh, no, oh, oh, it's two-hand touch. I'm not coming back again for this. And then you got to move it. It's like a carnival with a carny. It's like the circus. You know, you have to move the circus. Why do you think the circus moves every three or four days? It's it's the NFL circus, the Pro Bowl. If I'm too hard on the game, let me know. But I'd like to go back and see a more competitive game with a little bit of tackling. Because if you're going to play football at 20%, not 50% or 90%, Someone might get hurt. 702-365-9200, as I said a little while ago. uh, Let's thank Rich Passaccia if we can today. Can't do it here in person, but he's going to be the special teams coordinator of the Green Bay Packers. He's going to go to a great team, and he's going to add a lot of unique leadership to that team. The question is, will Aaron Rodgers be there, or will he be in Denver going forward? 702-365-9200, we're brought to you by Grimaldi's. Uh, Pick up Grimaldi's for the Super Bowl. All their Super Bowl specials coming in. The Brooklyn Bridge pizza, all their salads, their dessert. Dine in for the big game or just get a couple of pies delivered to you. You'll thank me for that. Grimaldi's, best pizza I ever had. Mark Anderson joins us next hour. JT back with you on my way to L.A. for Super Bowl coverage here on Raider Nation Radio. Should be a lot of fun. Good guests lined up. Fred Bolitnikov, Marcus Allen, Tim Brown, Bill Romanowski, Mike Haynes. Um, The same cast of characters we always have on. They're the greatest of the greats. And we'll talk to them throughout the week there. And there'll be great team coverage here also as the Raiders are going to be there. Uh, Raiders.com, and all the work that the Raiders digital team does. So be, they're going to be down there, too. We're talking about the Pro Bowl. If you went to the game, I thought my phone lines would be packed, nine deep. There's no one calling in on the Pro Bowl. I thought the Pro Bowl was going to be a huge topic because I thought the format was so lame in regards to the lack of intensity for the players playing in the game. I just wanted to know what the fans think. I, you know, The players are going to get paid either way. I want to know what you fans think about the game and how you would change it And if you went, I don't even know if you went unless you shoot me a tweet. Last night, that's all people wanted to talk about around the country was the game because it was a big story. And we had the NHL All-Star Game, and that looked fantastic. And good to see Mark Stone and Jonathan Marcesau and the Golden Knights who were represented, who were there, Petrangelo. Nice to see. Nice to see Vegas have two All-Star Games 24 hours apart in this city with all the hotels, the restaurants all the FanFest, everybody who had a good time. Deion Sanders made news, the Hall of Famer, on the Pro Bowl. Here's what Dion had to say watching the Pro Bowl yesterday. Lord, help me. I'm watching the NFL Pro Bowl, and I remember when we were so proud and appreciative of the accolade. We went to Hawaii to prove we were more than worthy, so we competed at practice and in the game. I wanted you to know that prime was prime. What happened and when? That's Deion saying that he played hard. Deion Sanders played hard at the Pro Bowl. And does anybody know when the Pro Bowl took that turn? I thought the Gannon Pro Bowl. Gannon won the MVP in two Pro Bowls. I thought they were playing pretty hard back then. I remember an Aaron Rodgers Pro Bowl when they handed it off and no one tackled. And I think that was the beginning of the end, but I believe it was in Orlando, not Hawaii. But that was the first time I ever went to the Pro Bowl. And I thought Allegiant Stadium looked fantastic. Passionate Raider, thanks for waiting. You're up next. Go ahead.
1: Yes, is JT. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Man, thanks. Um, you're, you're right, man. That, that Pro Bowl was kind of was kind of piss poor. But, I mean, it is what it is. It was great to see the the Max and, and, and Renfro show out for us and put a show on for us. I was really proud of that, JT. But, you know, I was sitting here thinking about what would make the Pro Bowl fun since, you know, it's all about money today. You know, and and they're not going to hurt. Why don't they just get an extra bonus for the players that make the Pro Bowl and then have like a, like a a little league tackle, you know, like the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, have it be to where the two teams, however, come and the Pro Bowlers that make it have to coach the little kids and let the little kids play and the guys stay and the Pro Bowlers that make it help coach the little kids. Make it at least worth
2: a little bit more competitive than watching what we watch when we're used to what we're used to. But, so you're saying not have uh, pro football players play, have them stand around and watch kids play? Like, have them coach the, the, the Little League team. Have them coach the Little League team. They go against each other like that.
1: You know, make it be where the kids could interact, where it could be a little more a little more inspiring. At least they're doing it for a reason instead of just going out there playing two-hand tap. But, wow. hey, JT, it is what it is. I like it. But my, I had one more question to you. What do you think about the, the – the Giants uh, sending us over their, their D.C. What's, what's your view on that? Because I know you might know a little bit info
2: yeah. about him. Yeah, more I, I appreciate it. He had a good year last year coaching the defense. The problem for the Giants was not their defense. It was their injuries, first off, in their offense. So they wanted to go out and bring in a D.C. who's up and coming, who highly respected around the league, and a guy who could draw up a defense. Well, the Raiders got beat by the Giants' defense, and Kansas City really got slowed down by the Giants' defense. I was a little, you know, Patrick Graham coming in in the 11th hour, this was who Josh McDaniels wanted. They really jumped this to come in and get it. I read a great article on this on the 11th hour move at newjersey.com. Maybe I can tweet it out for everybody to read. And it was a really in-depth article on how the Giants went out and got him. For a little while last week, it appeared the Giants and their new head coach Brian Dayball had his top three assistant coaches locked in. One was Patrick Graham on the defense. The final piece of the puzzle was Graham, who had been a finalist for the head coaching position with the Minnesota Vikings. But the Vikings passed on Graham, and Dayball wanted Graham back quickly to the Giants. But then swooped in the Las Vegas Raiders and Josh McDaniels, who swept in and plucked Graham from the Giants, sending Dayball back to the drawing board. NBC Sports NFL insider Peter King says this about Graham's decision to join the Raiders. Quote, I can see exactly why they make the move. He had an impressive nine-hour interview with the Vikings last Tuesday for the head coaching job, and his stock has been steadily rising around the league after his work with the Giants in the past two years. But because he's good friends with Brian Flores, they worked together on Belichick's staff with the Patriots, and then together in 2019 in Miami... And because he admires Josh McDaniels, the move to Las Vegas made sense. Again, this is from Peter King, who said two other things. Nevada is very advantageous for their tax state. New Jersey state income is 8.97%, Nevada zero. So Graham gets to keep more of his money, and Graham will boost his own profile in a clearly tougher division for offenses and quarterbacks with four games against Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert per year. Great play by the Raiders' defense will keep Graham in contention to become a head coach. So it, it looks like Graham could be parked here, and if the Raider defense is, an, is upgraded and plays well, then Graham could be gone to be a head coach in the next cycle. And if not, we'll see how, be- how much better this team gets. How much will this team improve? I thought Gus Bradley lined him right, uh, upright. I thought the Raider defense did some really cool things this last year. I just don't know if the Raider defense is playoff caliber, even with Gus Bradley. They went to get someone now that they think, they think can elevate the defense, but they're going to have to bring in new players. L.A. Mack, thanks for holding. What's going on, Mac? Mac, you're on the radio. Are you there? Mac is gone, opens up a line for you, 702-365-9200 as we continue on. So Peter King broke down the story on Graham and everything that's happening. He thinks it makes sense for the Raiders. Now it's time for Raider fans to understand exactly what makes sense to you as there are new coaches coming in, and they're not even done with the staff. And there's a couple other teams right behind them in New Orleans and Houston. That are trying to finish up their staffs. The Giants are trying to do that. They're trying to do it still in Indianapolis where they hired Gus Bradley. So a lot's changed here since I talked to you last on Friday. And Ritz Passaccio will be moving to Green Bay to be their special teams coach. And he's a great man, a man of character. And all of a sudden Green Bay has a new assistant head coach, I would assume. I would assume he's going to be the assistant head coach of that team because that's how he got to start here with the Raiders and became the head coach. 702-365-9200 as we continue on here. When we come back, our number two, Mark Anderson from the Las Vegas Review-Journal will join us. We'll get more into how to fix the Pro Bowl and what lies ahead for the Raiders as they try to round out the staff and make changes here in the offseason under the new GM and the new head coach on the flagship Raider Nation Radio.